Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Be So Dramatic. My name is Rachel, and this is the podcast where I talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there. For this week's episode, I have with me Andrea Osbert. Andrea is a Hungarian actress who is an international multi-award winner with over 50 acting credits to her name. She's acted opposite some amazing actors like Robert Redford, Clive Owen, Bruno Ganz. The list really goes on. She has also won a European Golden Globe for her role in the Italian film Maternity Blues. Andrea also works as a producer and has sold films to streaming services such as Netflix and HBO. More recently, Andrea has stepped into the world of acting coaching, where she coaches actors through everything to do with their acting career outside of actually doing the acting. She has an amazing ebook on her website called 10 Conscious Choices for a High Profile Acting Career. I loved this ebook. I will link that website below. I highly recommend that you go and download this ebook. I know you will get so much out of it. I will link all of Andrea's websites below if you'd like to go and check her out. And of course, I will link everything to do with the podcast below. If you aren't following us on Instagram yet, I will link that below as well. So go and give us a follow. And without further ado, let's jump in. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing great. Thank you. That is so good to hear. Now, what country are you currently based in at the moment? (laughs) I'm currently based in Hungary. I, I live in Budapest. Oh, lovely. Okay. So there is a bit of a time difference for those listening. Um, it is definitely nighttime for me here and it is early, early to mid morning for you. Um, so thank you for giving me your morning. I appreciate it. Um, so you are a, an actress and you're also an acting coach. Um, so I'm really interested to know where your interest in the entertainment industry first started out. Oh, thank you. Well, yes, I am an actress. I've been an actress for nearly 25 years. And I'm also an acting coach, but not in terms of um, coaching acting, the craft. Yeah. But I'm uh, coaching actors for anything else that is outside of acting. We're going to talk about that later. Yes, we are. (laughs) um, Answering your question, um, you know, I grew up in Hungary in the 80s which was still under communism. So there wasn't much to do or there were no possibilities and opportunities around, especially artistically, because that was there was just scarcity everywhere. And uh, I remember everything was gray and, and boring. I mean, all we could do was like riding bicycles as kids and climbing trees. But I aspired for more. And, um, and I used to daydream a lot when I was a kid. And I think that's what remained. And I kept that habit and I, I became a dreamer. And I manifested a lot of my fantasies. And I pictured myself as an actress while I was little. And then slowly, slowly, I 
went and I started that path starting as a model when I was a teenager. I worked a lot in TV commercials and that's how I I got sure about this is what I want to do. I want to be in motion picture. And, uh, and so I went to acting school. Then I moved abroad and I had a lot more opportunities in Western countries outside of Hungary. I lived in Italy for 10 years nearly. And then I moved to LA, America, where I lived for about three years. And I worked there as an actress. But as I said, I now live in Budapest again because I missed Europe and missed, uh, missed my home. And I realized that this is who I am, really. This is where I belong and I'm happy here. I can't even imagine what it was like to grow up in that period of time under communism. And um, it's a very interesting picture that you paint saying everything was really gray, but, you know, you um, had these daydreams that essentially manifested what your life is now. Um, how, how did the modeling come into it? Where did you kind of um, get the idea that you could be a model? Did like, did someone, you know, kind of know how to get into the modeling industry? How did that come about? I lived in a small village, about 10,000 inhabitants. And I remember there was um, like um, a big party or a big holiday. And one of the shops who were selling clothes just asked us, uh, the three of us girls, like young girls, we were maybe 13 or 14 years old to, to do a catwalk. In, in, <laughs> at that occasion in their clothes that they were selling so that was my first catwalk and this is how I got my first feedback and people told me yes you should do this and and you could be a model like even nationally and this is how I enrolled in um, modeling contests. It's just the modeling industry is an industry that I know so little about, but is also, it's so interesting to me because I think it's like models, the skill set that they have, I just, I don't have any of it. (laughs) And so I really admire models because, and it's such a brutal industry as well, because it's all exterior what you look like and you have to have such a thick skin to be able to succeed in that area of the entertainment industry so whenever I get to speak to models it's always super interesting to me to be like how like how did you get into it where where was your head at especially being a a young teenager when you started do you feel like um, starting out as a model um, were like, was impressionable on you as a teenager? How did you kind of go about that with being in an industry that was very exterior focused at a young age? Probably at a young age, I didn't think much about all these theories, but I pictured that this could be a way for me to get out to get out of poverty, to get out of my small village, to build a future that um, a future of abundance. Because in the 90s, um, 
I don't know now, hope, probably even now, but um, we were very well paid in the 90s as models. So um, t- I was 22 when I bought my apartment out of the wow. money that I've made as a model. So it was for me worth to sacrifice a lot of things. But you're right. It's a, it's an industry based on the exteriors only, and I got quite bored of it. You said it's uh, it seems interesting from the outside, but it is not really <laughs> because um, because unless you're a photographer, a stylist, a makeup artist, a hairdresser, you can't be really creative. You're a model who just stands there mute. And you're asked not to sit down, not to eat, and not to wrinkle the clothes, um, and be static all the time. And um, and you're so passive that I I realize there is so much more in me that I want to express that I abandon modeling after eight years. Wow! Yeah, and through the doing the commercials as a model, that was kind of your taste of acting. That you went, yeah, this is. Mm-hmm. This gives yeah, me exactly. more. Yeah, and I, yeah. Of, of course, I got um, good feedback from directors of commercials. I, I used to be cast a lot and they liked my face. They liked my acting. So there was a director who hired me like five times in a row for different commercials. And this is how I realized maybe it's, uh, this is something that it's a good fit for me. And uh and so I can realize my dream and this is really what I'm meant to do. Mm. I, it's interesting having you on because I have absolutely no concept of how the industry in Europe works. And so um, with going to drama school and stuff like that, I have no idea if it's similar to what it would be in Australia. So when you decided to go to drama school, was it like a, a three-year course kind of thing where you do all of the, you learn all the techniques kind of thing? Is that what it is? There is a drama school here. We call it university. So you get um, a master's degree in acting if you attend that. It's a four-year-long uh, school, but um, it wasn't my case because I needed to make a living and survive. So since this school is, uh, is not allowing students to work until they are fully trained actors, yes, um, it, it was impossible for me to attend that school because I needed to work. Yeah. So I I went to different private workshops and intensive courses. I did a one year um, sh- one year workshop in Hungary, and when I moved to Italy, I attended another school, which was a private school of um, so called international acting school. Mm. So how old were you when you moved to Italy? I was like twenty four. Wow. I, so, which means I got into acting as a professional acting, professional actress quite late, actually, at 24. This is where I felt like, okay, I had some small roles, but now it is really high time I present myself as a real actress and and I have to go for it. Mm. I Yeah, I mean, I think 24 is young. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, <laughs> I I think, 
you know, I know that a lot of people do, you know, when they leave high school, especially in Australia, they are 18. And so they do start doing those university degrees or drama school degrees. um, And that's kind of like three years. So you do kind of finish that when you're 21, I guess. However, I, for me personally, I really felt like I didn't really get given a lot of direction from when I finished um, my acting degree. And so it took me probably until I was about maybe like 26 to actually feel like I had wrapped my head around the industry and knew the way forward for myself. Um, But that's kind of just me. And I know that other people kind of um, do get into it a lot earlier and some people get into it a lot later, which is fine. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, It's just, you know, interesting and you can never really, well, for me personally, what I learned, I couldn't have rushed those things because it kind of went hand in hand with life experience that I was having. But I can imagine, you know, with your upbringing and starting modeling so young, you already had all that kind of industry knowledge and exper- and life experience as well. Probably we can say so. And also there is a huge difference um, between your system and the Hungarian system because maybe this is a residual of communism, but in our drama school, you're, um, you cannot apply above 21. So oh. they only train very young people. It's oh. crazy. I mean, this is something really unheard of in Western countries and even in New York, in L.A., or probably even in Australia, you meet actors who, like late bloomers who just yeah. are around 50 and they want to start acting and that's completely fine. But here in Hungary, the mentality is like the old mentality and hopefully it is changing that, that there are rules to be followed and everything has to be in order and this is the way to do. And people think in boxes and I am an exception because I, I left and I went abroad and I realized I can think out of the box and I can be whoever I want to be and become that. But uh, here the thinking is a bit repressed, I would say. It's, it's a residual, I believe, of that era. Mm, that I had no idea. So that makes a lot of sense now. Um, it is my theory, but I, I really believe that, that it is like a programming that people had for so many years and entire generations. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, um, I think that, you know, there are kind of the, the whispers of that limiting belief that kind of um, do um, find themselves in Australia as well, which is that people... Um, well, really in any industry as well, go, I can't do that. I'm too old. I can't yeah. learn a new thing. Like society has told me that by, you know, 40 or 50, I'm set for life and that's it. And that's, you know, I've done the stuff and I can't really start up anything new, I think. But, you know, obviously in Hungary, it seems like it is um, a bit more full on <laughs> in that respect of that yeah. belief. And, and, and the sense of freedom here was yeah. not very um, known as, as it is 
in your culture, probably. So people don't feel free uh, enough to, to be able to realize their dreams. And I wasn't able to realize my dreams in my country either. I had to leave and I had to go abroad. And, and I, did, I was wise to do that. So mm. that's how I could become who I am today. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting that Hungary obviously celebrates you as a successful Hungarian actress and you're the one that didn't play by the rules and kind of went (laughs) overseas and you're like, huh, I made it and I didn't do the way you said that I had to do it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Some people think I'm a weirdo and I'm always an outsider because I did it my way. And actually, this is how I started my coaching activity, because um, there are always so many ways people can, can get into the acting business or, or progress in their careers. And, and sometimes people get stuck in their own thoughts, and they don't see other ways or possibilities of pursuing their career, their dream. And I help actors with restructuring their thoughts and sometimes to give them new um, definitions and new ideas about who they could become and what is the real purpose and how to reach that goal. If Mm. if they have clear ideas about why and what they want to do. Yes, which you also talk about in your ebook, <laughs> which I was yeah. flipping through. And I was like, when I was reading it, which we'll get into because I like have so many thoughts about it. Um, but when I was reading it, I just had all of these moments like, yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is so great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying it. I'm, I'm glad because I just recently um, published my ebook and uh, I, I love to have feedback on it. Oh, yes. It's, it's amazing. It's like everything that is like my thoughts as well. I'm like, this is what I've been thinking, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, so when you were in Italy, what was your first kind of big acting job and how did that come about for you? That's so interesting because I remember the first big booking that I got was maybe a five or six days role, a a co-star in a miniseries. And I thought at that age, this is it. I made it. Now (laughs) my life will change. And (laughs) It didn't. Nothing changed. Nothing at all. So I had to rewire my brain and uh, realize that success is not a momentum. Success is mm. a journey, is a process, and it's a pr- it happens in a in a time frame like it's prolonged. So success is only I can only define success on long term. So my big break was not that role that I was that I thought it would be, but maybe three or four years later, when I when I was hosting a huge live TV show in Italy, and uh, because people re- people found it very interesting that I spoke Italian so well, and I was kind of. Um, a phenomenon there, you know, being blonde and tall, speaking Italian with a little accent. So I was interesting. 
for them, I guess. And, <laughs> and I got this opportunity to become the host of this show. And that's where like 20 million people saw me, 20 million wow. Italians around the world, not only in Italy. And that set me um, as, um, as a known name or as a name in the industry. And from that point on, everybody knew who I was. So I started to book even more meaningful parts and, and bigger parts. Wow. What, with the learning Italian, did you know Italian before you went to Italy or did you kind of land and go, okay, I've got to learn it? No, actually I knew it before because I went to a high school that was bilingual, Italian, Hungarian high school. Uh, it was my parents' idea that we should learn uh, a foreign language well. And I was I didn't speak English back then. I only spoke Italian and a little bit of German. Wow. That's so that that's crazy because like if you had not gone to that school and not learned Italian and learned to speak it so well, then you probably wouldn't have thought to go to Italy and you, you know, wouldn't have been so eloquent as a host. And then like, that's, that's crazy, that progression. Absolutely. So um, out of luck or out of by a complete accident of choosing that high school of learning Italian made sense once I moved there because First of all, I didn't want to throw out of the window all those years of learning Italian. So I said to myself, what am I going to do with it? Let's go to Italy. But I wasn't conscious about the fact that I would stand out in Italy, stand out from the crowd. And that was my my advantage and my, my added value, you know, that physically my type was different from theirs. And of course, at the beginning, I always played the parts of the Eastern European refugee or prostitute or waitress, these kind of roles <laughs> that were quite cliches. But eventually, over time, I made my way and I perfected my Italian. And um, occasionally, I was even, even dubbed or um, they even changed the the national nationality of my character because they wanted to work with me so wow yeah it was a process yeah definitely and so then what when did you make the decision to move to America and um you know try and uh, start working in Los Angeles it was I was about 30 years old when again I felt like I am put in a box and I don't like to be put in a box <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't like to be labeled. So in Italy I felt like um, they were giving me nice uh, roles on television productions but I wanted to make movies, feature films and uh, of course I had a heartbreak also, like I broke up with my boyfriend and I thought that this is the moment and I have to do it now or never. And I was about 30 years old when I decided to, to give it a try and, and move to Los Angeles and uh, went to acting workshops, find an, found an agent and started to network there. And eventually that also worked out because after a year and a half, so things don't happen overnight. 
after a year and a half, I finally got my first job. Wow. Um, did you find that all the work you had done in Italy, um, did you find that that was, um, people were kind of excited about that? Because I know when actors from Australia, it's very, very common for them to move to America um, to, you know, try their hand in a bigger sort of pool. And it's kind of like, the work that they've done here, they find people over there are like, we don't really care. And so it does take a little bit of time, but I don't know if, because, you know, you were so renowned in Italy, what was your experience with that? Yes, I was renowned, but that was not the point they liked. My my um, advantage or my card that I played was also the fact that Big productions shoot in Europe a lot, actually. Mm. So I was lucky multiple times to be cast in huge American films playing opposite A-stars because I spoke English by then already. So I played in Spy Game opposite Robert Redford. I played um, in Casanova opposite Heath Ledger, actually. I played with Clive Owen in Duplicity. These were all like day playing parts, like one day of work and one line maybe. But I got them into my showreel and and that was impressive for the Americans. Like, how did you do that? Like acting with Robert Redford and oh my God, what credits you have. So I think the European market makes sense for this a lot because if I was in America in that big pool, as you said, I would have been probably lost in that pool. But in Europe, which is smaller, not everybody speaks English very well. And for certain roles, you know, big productions will not bring actors from overseas. So they just cast local people. And... Um, and if you if you are the one, then then it can really add something to to your resume and to your filmography. Mm. And I bet it is great that you have a European passport as well. So they're like, no worries, we can fly you to Europe. And I've always thought, if I have a child, I want them to be born in some other countries so that they yeah. have two passports <laughs> so if they ever choose to be an actor <laughs> they have a second passport <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic thought but mm-hmm. but you can also move to another country if you want to can. can you I can I definitely can I'm just you know, future, future thinking as well <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know I don't nice. expect my try my um, non-existent child to be an actor but if you know I just want to give them all the options but things happen right <laughs> things happen. <laughs> exactly right <laughs> so with um, living in America as well um, I heard you talk about um, on the talk show that you were on how you had gotten your American citizenship and you had to kind of work hard at Citizenship or no? O- no, O one visa. A, it's a visa, yeah. Um, you got your visa and you had to work hard to try and prove to them, like, hey, I'm 
my job is an actor, I'm working. So I'm curious about that time in your life when you were working towards getting a visa. Did you feel like you were kind of getting burnt out trying to prove yourself worthy enough for a visa or how was that for you? Very interesting because I actually, uh, it took me five years to get my uh, working visa and that was a goal that I set for myself because I believed so much in the American dream and in Hollywood. So I applied and I collected all these work evidence and press clips for the immigration that they needed to prove why people should hire me instead of an American actor. So um, that was actually when all those Italian press clips made sense and came handy because I was on the cover of the magazines a lot. And um, yes, I was known and, and those things helped. But still, even though I got work in America, those productions were shooting outside of the U.S., so therefore, they didn't need to apply for a visa for me because it was in Canada or whatever else. So just it didn't happen organically. But by the time I had a movie uh, to be released and I was invited exactly on that um, TV show that you saw, it was a moment when I had to fly back to America for the purpose, for work purposes. And that was the invitation from CBS that I attached to my application. Finally, that there is no one else that can do this job, that can do this interview except me in America, because I am the lead of this movie, period. So they could not really deny my application. And I got my working visa. But by that time, after five years of trying, personally, I already got to the point that it was enough for me uh, of America and of the Hollywood system. So it's funny because I got my visa and I I was already thinking about moving back to Europe <laughs> by then. <laughs> it's always funny when you are working towards something for so long and you're like, this is what I want. And then you get it and you're like, oh, it kind of doesn't feel the way I thought it would. And now I'm past it. <laughs> and so uh, exactly, it's kind of like, ah. Because- oh. <laughs> Because five years have passed since I first applied. So I was at a different stage already in my life. So my perspective changed. For me, priorities changed by then. So I didn't see a point anymore in why is it so important to have a working visa in the States? Because all the shows that I've done for them were not shot in the US anyway. Mm, Yeah. And... (laughs) It's that classic saying of um, be careful what you want to manifest because you just, if you're, you know, trying to manifest something and then you grow as a human being and as you said, you have different priorities and you have different wants, but then that thing can manifest for you. And, you know, it's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, watch out what you wish for because it might happen. I think that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And exactly because I used to think and picture myself a lot in in Hollywood, like making it as an actress, being on the red, red carpet in Hollywood. And I did that. I manifested that. But I found myself 
you know, without further goals at that moment. And I said to myself, oh my God, why didn't I think further? What am I going to do next? Because I just achieved this. I made it. So um, it happened, but actually it wasn't really exactly the way I wanted it to be. Mm, Interesting. I have definitely felt that as well when I've wanted things and sometimes we can put those dreams on a pedestal and think it's going to feel a certain way and make us feel a certain way when we get them. But when we do get them, it's kind of like, oh, this is just so, like, it's not mind-blowing like I thought it was going to be. It's not like my reality has shifted so enormously that I just feel like, you know, crazy good. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Okay. Um, what's next? <laughs> yeah. What's next? Um, and you know, I know that you, um, also talk about, I think it might be in your ebook or it's on your blog. I think it's the ebook where you talk about having a purpose other than just yeah kind of, um, oh, like I want to be an actor. I want to be on a red carpet. The why is so important to have that purpose to kind of drive you and to continue on when you do get on the red carpet, which it's fine to want. What is your purpose from there? And I found that really interesting to read. Thank you. Uh, and I think it's very helpful. It would be very helpful for all actors to know their purposes of why they became actors and what is they want to do with this? What they, what do they want to achieve by becoming an actor or becoming su- a successful actor? Um, I, I used to give it a lot of thoughts. So, um, and also it's important that purposes change, but one should have always a higher purpose, the main purpose, the, the real purpose of, of their entire life. I, I don't know if you learned um, script analysis, but where I learned there was this term of the overall objective of the character. So every scene in a movie has an objective, but overall the character has an overall objective to to get to that point by the end of the movie. And this is the same with us in life. Like we have many little objectives, many little goals that brings bring us forward in life but we have eventually one higher purpose or overall objective in film term terminology that that are pulling us towards our destiny Mm, definitely when was it that you uh realized this way of thinking and thought about what your purpose was as an actor uh unfortunately quite late So that's why I've been putting together a program now and I'm writing a program for actors in the hope that it would help others who are um, not at, who are not that advanced yet, because, because I think it would have helped me if I made these things conscious before, because um, I listened to your episode when you talked about that you want, you were thinking about giving up. (laughs) <laughs> and these are these yes. are the moments these are the moments that happen to all of us first of all mm-hmm. and multiple times 
But these are the moments when it comes in handy to know what's what's one purpose is and why um, why we are put on a pause sometimes. And um, to use a metaphor, I, I like to think of myself as a train on a platform going straight towards my goal. But sometimes I am stopped by um, the traffic light and it's red and I am forced to stop or I can't move forward and I feel I don't move forward. But then eventually with a little bit of patience and rest, which is also important, mm-hmm. I can continue my way. And it, it, it doesn't mean that if, if there is a downtime or a period when I'm not actively involved in any production that it is useless and I am useless. It's, it's not that it's that you also have to live your life and do other things and, you know, reinvent yourself and redefine yourself. This is also very important for actors. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. I often use the, um, imagery of like a little seed being planted, which is, you know, a very common image and you can never see what's going on below the soil. And so it can be frustrating before the thing sprouts. You're like, is it even growing? Or has it died in the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Nice metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, But it's, uh, I really love plants. That's why I like, (laughs) Mm -hmm, I've got too mm many. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's, you're correct. It's, you know, you never know what little things are in play whilst you feel like you're at that red light that are, you know, being put together to move you forward when the light goes green. And um, it is very important to take that time to go, okay, well, now I have the time to look after me as a person, not me as the actor. Well, you can look after you as the actor, but I think it's also really important to sometimes switch that part of yourself off and go, I like, who am I in this moment? Who, like, what does Rachel need? Not like, oh my God, I need to film all the self tapes while I'm on pause. So I feel like I'm still an actor. It's important to sometimes in those pauses, just let go of that thing for a second. Because we sometimes forget that we ourselves are also a character that needs development. And we are always in the shoes of another character. We are always somebody else, but it can go out of balance if you are only focused on your exclusively on your career and you know casting calls and being fit and keep up with uh, the industry news and knowing everyone and networking. And then where is where is Rachel? Where is the person? And how about her life and her identity and her little things, her hobbies as a character? And if, if, you, if you lose your character, if you lose yourself, then eventually it will have a negative effect on your career as well. Because, because actor, uh, directors, casting directors look for characters and not mm. just bl- blank sheets and blank papers with no identity. Definitely. I think something that I've learned in the last couple of years as well is 
whenever I try and bring me as Rachel to a scene and play it as like there are small parts of Rachel in that scene, I always get such a better result. And it took me a really long time to figure that out. And so if you're not, yeah, if you're not looking after you as a person and all you are is actor, then you can't bring that to your work. I agree 100%. Mm. Yeah. So actually the, in the program that I'm preparing for actors and hopefully it will be ready by the end of the year, I dedicate a lot of thoughts and clarification about the self, the ego, the replicated self, which is coming from characters we play that are not us, the identity, true self, these are so interesting that so many uh, so many items and uh, parts we have inside of us. It's sort of schizophrenic, but it's very useful to separate these and understand which is which and which one we need or which one is functioning and, and working when we do certain things because just just let let me explain when when you see yourself on a billboard or on the cover of um, a movie poster you can think it's you of course right because you see yourself you see your face but it is just a perception of you it is just a constructed image of you it's not you you are not only that so feedback on any movie or um, performance that we make as actors are uh, and if you suffer from bad criticism for example or bad publicity it's um, sometimes it affects us a lot more than it should affect us because it goes right into our soul and we take it personally because it's our person but I, I try to teach techniques how to separate those things and and not let negative comments or even uh, you know cyberbullying or being targeted on social media and have negative uh, says to affects um, our lives so much and how we how we present ourselves from there to the world. Mm. I guess I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it, I guess, it's also helpful. You know, when you are an actor and you're constantly putting yourself out there and putting yourself forward in auditions, and you're not getting cast, it's the same thing. Of like, it's not me. It's not Rachel that they're saying no to. It's the product that Rachel is as an actor that they're saying isn't suitable for what they're casting right now because you can get into that awful down spiral of I'm not getting cast in anything and it's me and they don't want me (laughs) and I'm not good enough and they Mm -hmm. don't need me and maybe I should quit yeah yeah been there and recorded a podcast about it (laughs) I know I know yeah that's why it's very useful I think in these moments to have your thoughts clear about how the system works how entertainment works and don't take it personally oh yeah definitely definitely um another 
Um, really great point that I loved reading, which you wrote a blog about was the guilt around success. So when you have success and there is that feeling of guilt because, you you know, for instance, you experienced that your family had a bit of envy around um, what you were doing for work, how much you were getting paid, that sort of thing. And I can definitely relate that you know, when you have small, when I've had small bits of success, um, it's almost that kind of like, you feel like you're stepping up above kind of the group of people that you feel like you've been comrades with, and you've all been in the trenches together. So then when you get a little bit of success, you're like, oh, I feel so guilty that I've gotten this and they haven't. And how do I navigate that? So I wonder if you could speak on your experience of that and trying to navigate that feeling of guilt. Yes, it's one of my most popular blog posts. Actually, I got a lot of feedback on it. It helped others to understand similar feelings in them because I think it happens to everyone that success comes in different moments for them or their siblings or Uh, relatives or friends and um, yeah it's just it's probably like how we people grow apart from one union from one community Uh, let it let that be a family or let it be on like classmates a, a classroom that we eventually end up being individuals who have to create their own realities their own futures their own families so it happens in different times and I am now at quite peace because all my siblings became successful by now, but it wasn't always the case. The, the, 10 years ago, I, I sort of had to help them out financially, for example, and that help, I thought that would help also my sense of guilt too you know, um, be released and uh, not to feel so guilty because I was kind of rich compared to them. Um, but that changed by now. So everything is on a, on a spectrum and everything depends on the perspective from where you look at because people saw me as successful. But as I told you, I wasn't completely happy about my the roles, my results, because I wanted something else. And I actually sacrificed and paid a high price for my success that people didn't see. Uh, So you use the metaphor of a plant. Um, I use the metaphor of an iceberg that people used to see only the tip of it, the tip of the iceberg, but they didn't see all the loneliness, all the sacrifices, all the missing, um, all the missed appointments, for example, the wedding of my best friend that I couldn't attend because I was shooting uh, overseas. So um, success is relative also. Like what people see, it's not necessarily the complete picture. It's not It's not necessarily the complete truth. Mm, definitely. I had a, a great conversation with another actor today and she was... Um, talking to me about how 
um, she was down because, and she's probably going to listen to this, but I won't say her name. Um, uh, uh-huh. She was talking to me about how she was down because she just recently had a, an amazing acting opportunity and she knew that there was someone who was kind of speaking ill of her and was creating a lot of negative talk to other people about her. And I said, I'd been pondering on this this morning that, you know, this um, this life that we're creating, which is being an actor, but also I think, you know, you and I share the kind of manifestation beliefs and beliefs in the universe, that sort of thing, that can also be incredibly lonely because as you start seeing that success, I've found for myself as I keep going down my path, I really kind of move away from the people that don't align with me anymore. And it is in a way good because you do need to create space for more inspiring, more aligned people to come in, uh, better things for you, that sort of thing. But it can feel lonely. And it is very lonely, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's that interesting thing of like, I do want all these things, but it's very hard when you are going through that and are kind of being ridiculed by other people or, you know, people who you thought were your friends. You're kind of like, why are we moving apart? Like, why can't you come along on my journey towards my dreams? But it's, you know, it's such a a learning, uh, a lesson when you get older and when you continue down that road, I think. Yes, because normal people can't really imagine how it is to work as as a professional actor. We are always living in standby and uncertainty. We hop on a job and then we are dismissed and we don't know what's next. So it is tough. And um, as you said, it's, it's, it is lonely, even though people think and Making movies is a collective art form. We are all in together and we are fighting for the same goal. And it's it's a great feeling of, you know, a uh, sense of belonging that we we are together in this. But eventually every project ends pre- before or after. And then you lose this sense of belonging and mm. you lose your goal because it's finished. So it's a sort of similar to a grief process i think that you have to detach yourself from that crew detach yourself from that those people and find yourself again and then eventually go on a new adventure with with new people again so it is uh psychologically and mentally uh quite challenging i think and that's why a lot of people have difficulty with this lifestyle and it's very understandable I think. Yeah definitely I think that that is also why in more recent times we've been uh, such pioneers to say you need to get mental help. Therapy is great for actors, it's really important Um, and doing that that internal work also includes asking for help and going you know I, I think it's like so I think think you cannot be an actor without a great support system. I oh thank you for saying that because this is what I always tell people that 
You know, you don't have to feel yourself sick or uh, mentally unstable. You don't have a mental illness. It's not that, absolutely not. But uh, in these moments when we are in our heads, sometimes it's just not enough to do a meditation. It's not enough to <laughs> attend a yoga class. Uh, but you need to talk to someone because mm. actors, we need just a little bit maybe more attention than other people do. And, uh, and there is a reason why we chose this path of wanting to be in, in the, uh, be in the attention, attentive gaze of others. We need attention. We can't deny that. So when you don't have attention that you are dreaming about, uh, find, find a way, reach out. This is what I'm doing, actually, uh, exactly. Like, you can reach out and I'll pay attention to you. I mean, I offer free um, a free call, a free first session to everyone, um, uh, a coaching session, about 45 minutes, and I pay attention to you. And, uh, and hopefully you will feel much better uh, by the end of that session and you will feel... If you need this on long term and someone on your side, you can, someone who you can always talk to. Yeah, that's amazing. I wonder what was the moment that made you realize that this was a big purpose of your career was to create these guides and create this service for other actors? It was also a journey because I used to blog anonymously in Hungarian because I was afraid to put out my thoughts publicly. Mm. Um, I wonder why probably uh, it had to do a lot with my image as an actress and a completely different private person and uh, the difficulties that I, I went through. I didn't really want the press talking about it, for example. So I, I've been blogging uh, for about seven years already, but um, for another, to another audience, to another niche. And then I realized my blog was so popular and it still is popular in Hungarian that I could do something similar for my uh, actor, actor colleagues because, because I think I could help them and contribute them. So so this year I started to 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 do this adventure and um, and I try and I think I will I do help actors who have um, some some fog be, be, um, before their eyes and and I just help them to have clarity, new directions, and and a little bit of a support system because. Agents don't provide that service. Managers don't provide that service. So publicists don't provide that service. But I think, I think it's something to really pay attention to because also um, self-disruption is also a way of actors. They can really hurt themselves and make bad decisions. So before you do that, <laughs> just find someone who you can talk to. And, um, and just by just by talking, you can, it's therapeutical, you can get out all those negative feelings, and, and maybe rewire your your brain. And, and that's, or that in itself already can can push you forward. Mm, definitely. And it's funny in those moments as well, how 
I know I certainly, every time I kind of have doubts and have those negative um, thoughts coming in, I always feel so alone. But it's funny that I can guarantee you're like, I have thought every thought that you are thinking as well. (laughs) It's like a shared experience of actors that you just kind of forget is shared when you're going through it. It's so funny you said you are not alone because that's exactly my Hungarian blog URL. Oh. It's the domain in Hungarian language. It, it says you are not alone.com. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. <laughs> there you go. And I did not look that up before. So. Of course, it's in Hungarian. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. I could have just been fluent in Hungarian, although we probably would have done part of this podcast in Hungarian if that was the case. Yes. I definitely no, that didn't not. occur to me to think. Fair enough. Well, Andrea, it has been so lovely to have you on the podcast today. Um, do you have anything besides, obviously, your ebook and blog that you would like to plug before we go? Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope that um, I could spark some thoughts uh, also within your listeners. And um, also, I offer this also for you uh, if you want to. To get on a call with me, I offer this complimentary transformation session online. So um, it, it, you have nothing to lose if you want to have a chat or you have a particular issue maybe uh, that's going on in your life as a performer. I'm more than happy to learn from you because I think we both learn from each other. Oh, definitely. Exactly right. And um, I will obviously link all of your websites below as well for anyone that wants to download the ebook. I Mm -hmm. highly recommend it because I was supposed to be doing work and ended up reading it instead. Oh, wow. That's very flattering. Thank you so much. I got stuck into it. I was like, I'll just flick through. But no, it really draws you in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you for the feedback. Of course. Well, thank you so much for being here and we will talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Bye.